0: Hey guys, welcome back to Storytime Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Lira, and today I'm going to talk about something that just makes me toss and turn. It's one of those cases where I can't ever decide if I really think they did it or not. So I'm going to talk about Scott and Lacey Peterson. Lacey peterson was a 27 year old woman and she was native to modesto california she had dark brown hair i believe brown eyes and tan skin she was a substitute teacher and she was eight months pregnant with her first child a baby boy who they were going to name connor peterson now she went missing christmas eve 2002 Lacey had graduated from Thomas Downey High School and she attended the California Polytech State University. That's where she majored in ornamental articulture? horticulture. I don't know what that is. If anybody does, please hit me up. It was through a friend in college that Lacey met Scott Peterson. That was in 1994. She actually made the first move on him and sent him her number. Okay, girl. Scott Lee Peterson. Now, he was born in October 1972. He was born to a really large family. He was the only biological child between Lee Arthurs and Jackie Helen. Combined, the couple had six other children. Now, he went to Cali Polytech State University, too, and that's where he planned to major in international business, but he actually changed his major to agricultural business in 1996 after two years of dating Lacey and Scott moved in together in 97 they married just one year later and Lacey graduated now Scott was in his final year of college when they got married and during this time Scott had two affairs two affairs Now, I would also like to note, it's definitely worth mentioning that before his relationship with Lacey, Scott had a connection to three young women who disappeared, a 19-year-old named Kristen Smart, whose body was never recovered, a 24-year-old Helen Hernandez, and her five-year-old son vanished. Now, that was May 2002, and they were discovered in the San Francisco Bay, July of 2003, He was also connected to 18-year-old Kristen Modaffery, and her body was actually never recovered either. All were college students at the same college university Lacey and Scott attended. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so just remember that. In 2002, Lacey, Scott, and friends and family were really happy that Lacey was going to be having a baby. February 2003 was the due date initially the couple hadn't planned to have kids ever but they changed their mind and actually planned baby connor Lacey thrived as a homemaker she loved to do the cooking and the cleaning and she loved her favorite show was martha stewart okay but the question is was scott excited No one really knew, but in November 2002, Lacey was seven months pregnant when the friend introduced Scott to a woman named Amber Fry. She was a Fresno, California massage therapist. Ooh. And he told Amber that he was single. Fucking asshole. Now, the couple met up about four times within a six week span to engage in sex. He even accompanied her to a Christmas party. Yeah, that is crazy to me. Oh, I just couldn't imagine doing that. When she was pregnant, Lacey disappeared December 24th, 2002. And this, where there was no sign or trace of her, Scott got put into the hot seat. But, like, of course he is. He's the husband. Though that's not that weird that he got put in the hot seat but apparently his behavior was super strange Um, especially for a man in his position he quickly became the like only focus of the case I watched this uh show on Hulu about the Lacey Peterson case and they said that after the police decided oh my gosh Scott's not really acting right they immediately zeroed in on him and they never even followed up with any other potential suspect or anything yeah I don't know that's what they said on the show but also the show is definitely heavily biased in Scott Peterson's favor so you know you have to be objective The day before Lacey went missing, her and Scott had went to a salon that Lacey's sister worked at because Lacey's sister would cut Scott's hair monthly. That was December 23rd, 2002 at like mm, 545-ish. Now, while there, Lacey and Scott decided that Lacey was going to pick up her grandpa's fruitcake because Scott was going to go play golf. The last person to speak to Lacey besides Scott was her mom, and that was at 8.30 p.m. on December 23rd, the same day Scott got the haircut at her sister's salon. December 24th, Scott said he last saw Lacey around 9.30 in the morning. Instead of golfing, he decided to go fishing. He said that he was doing this because it was too cold to really golf that day. Lacey was watching her favorite show, Martha Stewart, and they were mentioning something about meringue. She then planned to mop, bake cookies, and walk their dog. I think their dog's name was Mackenzie. Although Scott told everyone he was going to go golfing, he actually went fishing instead. Now, like I said, he claimed to have been too chilly to golf, but I think he never really planned to golf. See, he'd recently bought a small aluminum fishing boat. And there's a lot of speculation on whether or not it was a secret that he bought this boat. And if anybody knew. Now, I don't think that it was a secret. Because, for one, the boat was in it was in his name. And the money came out of the joint account that him and Lacey had together. And then, I also don't believe that it was a secret. Because an eyewitness remembered Lacey being at the warehouse with Scott where the boat was. And they remember because she was, you know, obviously really pregnant and she needed to go to the bathroom. So it is also worth noting that Scott had a pretty good income. He was a fertilizer salesman making like $5,000 a month. So I don't think that he had to hide this small aluminum fishing boat. It was a, this wasn't like a really expensive pontoon or anything. Now I'm sure it was a nice small fishing boat, but I just wanted to put it in perspective for you guys. So regardless, instead of golfing, he left at 9 30 AM and he decided to go fishing. So he drives three miles away to his warehouse and that is where his boat is. And he stays there until about 11. He answers an email. He puts together a part he ordered online and it shows that he's on the computer in his warehouse from 10 30 to 10 56. So then he takes a 90-minute drive to the Berkeley Marina, which is off of the San Francisco Bay. Eh, he fishes there, oh, a couple hours, and by 2.15, he was loaded up and calling Lacey. She didn't answer, so he just left her a voicemail. At about 4.30, he was back at the warehouse, dropping off the boat, and then he headed home. When he got home, he first realized that their dog Mackenzie was still in the backyard and had her leash on. Also, the back door was unlocked. This was really out of the normal, but there was no signs of anything wrong, and so he assumed that maybe Lacey went out with her mom or something she's almost eight months pregnant so forgetting the dog in back door I guess really isn't too alarming one time I couldn't find my keys and I looked everywhere looked everywhere looked everywhere I looked in the fridge multiple times I looked in the couch everywhere over and over and over And I'm not kidding you my keys were in my purse the whole time this was like days I went a couple days without a vehicle because of this I was also about as far along as Lacey Peterson was in her pregnancy when I did this so that kind of stuff happens so because Scott wasn't super alarmed he went ahead and put his clothes in the laundry and went to take a shower okay okay gotta admit gotta admit wife disappears And you have an alibi that makes sense for you to take a shower, right? Like, is that not coincidental? Because it does make sense to wash your clothes and take a shower after you go fishing. But it also does make sense to secure that as your alibi when you kill your wife because you have to wash your clothes and take a shower. So he said next, after showering, he called Lacey's mom to find out that Lacey actually wasn't with her. He assumed that because Lacey's car was home, that she was riding with her mom. I'm, a, I'm guessing this is something that they did together, a little mother-daughter shopping trips and stuff. So he initially called the police and Lacey's parents, and he, they all met at the park where she'd been walking their dog so they could immediately start searching for her. So there's been theories that like well maybe she never even made it out to walk the dog so it's very 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 likely that Lacey did walk Mackenzie that day because there are a ton of eyewitnesses who, eyewitnesses who saw her um, but the timeline is not 100% clear because eyewitness testimony can be a, bit, a little bit questionable if I ask you, "Hey, what were you doing yesterday around 12?" you may think, "Oh, yesterday around 12, I think I was eating lunch," when in reality, you could have that could have been about 12:15. And somebody else I could say, "Hey, what were you doing yesterday at about 12:15?" and they could say, "Oh, I saw Haley walk by my window." Oh, but Haley said she was eating lunch at 12:15. How could she walk by your window? So, it can be really confusing and hard to use in investigation purposes, but anyway there was so many that were consistent and just barely overlapped each other that it's so unlikely that she was not out walking that dog another thing though that is weird is two neighbors claim to have found Mackenzie out roaming the neighborhood alone and put her back in the pearson's backyard and everyone's been like oh my god you know how could that happen how could they both done that okay to me, that's pretty easy. The damn dog got back out and somebody else had to put it back in the yard because the times of the neighbors doing these were pretty close to each other. Like I said, Scott had called the cops and his in laws, and they meet Scott and Lacey's parents at the park where they're all desperately trying to find Lacey. And they found no sign of her. The cops tell Scott, hey, we're gonna go ahead and let's head back to your house and have a look. Scott immediately was cooperative, allowed the police to search his home, and they found no signs of a break in, no signs of a struggle. But Scott was 100% cooperative. And he still was rubbing investigators the wrong way. Here's the deal. Scott Peterson is a douche. Like, he's 100% someone people love to hate. In questioning, he maintained his timeline, said that him and Lacey had no issues, there was no infidelity, and he agreed to the possibility of taking a paternity, or a paternity test, oh my goodness, taking a polygraph test, definitely worth mentioning Lacey Peterson's family 100% supported Scott and insisted that he could not have had anything to do with Lacey disappearing so by the way as we know when Scott Peterson said that infidelity had never been an issue in their relationship we know dang right that was a lie he cheated on Lacey twice not long really before they got married and stuff you know he's was right off the bat a cheater and then we know that he's secretly having an affair with a massage therapist named amber fry which he lied to police about on the first night first line of questioning he lies okay so the following day christmas 2002 scott calls his family and tells them about Lacey. Then he returns to the police station for another day of questioning. And they grilled this fool, y'all. I mean, they grilled him up, served him well done. Now, he hadn't lawyered up yet, but under his dad's advice, he refused to take the polygraph. Okay, which... I mean, I wouldn't take a polygraph either if I didn't do something. Hopefully, I wouldn't take it if I did do it, right? That's just <laughs> that's just bad planning. But um, I don't think I would take a polygraph if I was accused of something. I don't know. So... Anyway, under his dad's advice, he refused to take it. And that made the police even more suspicious. The police's standpoint is, hey, dude, you're the husband. You're the number one subject. Please let us clear you so we can do our job. So the police then have a briefing with the public about Lacey's disappearance. And they immediately mention their suspicion of Scott, which to me tainted the entire public's view and the journalist's view of scott peterson and the scott peterson case it then didn't become about let's solve the Lacey peterson disappearance it became about let's nail that motherfucker so after that police briefing though you know news hit this was a major story and december 26 search efforts begin hundreds of people like the whole community of modesto california band together they had to make volunteer centers and hotel lobbies where people could kind of like a check-in point for everybody to meet up and that's where you could join search rescues get flyers um, sign up to volunteer there was a five hundred thousand dollar reward posted and Lacey's family began doing pleas to the public for her return But Scott, her husband, wanted to stay completely away from the media. Um, Now, no one knew this, but uh, probably because he was having a damn affair and had a girlfriend. His refusal to speak to the media only built suspicion to the police, the public, and of course the media. I mean, how weird is that, right? Six days into the search, and they think they caught a break. You see... It turned out there had actually been a break-in across from the Petersons' home at like 11.40 in the morning the day Lacey went missing on Christmas Eve. But it was four days later after they'd announced that they had a potential break in the case that the police said the case of the break-in was solved and it was completely unrelated to The burglary occurred actually the day after Lacey's disappearance on December 26th. Now, side note, one of the first journalists to cover this story was actually at the Peterson's house that morning. Um, the morning that this supposed burglary took place and he said that he'd actually been there since super early in the morning the street was quiet and dead all morning and he was like no I for sure did not miss two suspicious men burglarizing a home on that day but the police maintained that the burglary in no way was related to the Lacey Peterson disappearance nothing really happened with the case for a while Scott was the only lead the police had and were actually pursuing and then on New Year's Eve they held a vigil for Lacey Lacey's family spoke but again Scott did not speak and he refused to be on camera but the media did get a lot of pictures of him smiling Um, he seemed very cool calm and collective and that was the problem about Scott Peterson is he always seemed cool calm and collective almost like You know, he's that kind of guy that isn't going to let you see him emotional. Even when his wife is missing, which is so nobody likes those kinds of guys tool. So, okay, nothing really happened with the case until January 24th, 2003, a total bomb dropped y'all. Okay. There was a press conference held at the Modesto police department and nobody knew what it was about. But all the major news networks knew that it was happening and they were so curious and on edge about it that they literally had a split screen of the local channels in California where one half of the news was them discussing the possibility of us very soon going to the Iraqi war and waiting for the announcement on if it was going to happen or not and on the other screen (laughs) they were waiting to figure out what the hell this press conference was about involving the Lacey Peterson case okay so they were literally putting news on hold about the Iraqi war for this case just so they wouldn't miss the press conference then walks out this really tall no titty blonde woman named Amber Fry the massage therapist that had been dating Scott okay so she came out and said that she'd been dating Scott for like six weeks they did have a physical relationship she is a victim herself she in no way knew that he was married now you know Amber Fry wasn't really a victim they'd only been seeing each other for like six weeks they'd met up about four times She just happened to be having an affair with someone whose wife disappeared. And when she found out, she went to the police who then coerced her into recording her conversations and kind of being like a character witness to Scott Peterson. She played into the relationship. The relationship was not this really strong, intimate bond to begin with. She made it that way so that she could, you know inform on him and then write a book and do a press conference and yada 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 and say I'm a victim okay I think Lacey's the only victim here a couple weeks into this affair Amber said that she became suspicious that Scott was married and when she confronted him he told her that his wife had died and this would be the first holiday without her okay y'all that was two weeks before Lacey actually disappeared that this conversation between Scott and Amber happened So, when a friend recognized Scott, they told Amber and she called police. And then the police asked Amber to keep up this ruse. And so, she did. They got recording devices at Radio Shack. Damn, I ain't heard Radio Shack in a minute. I loved Radio Shack. Okay? And she recorded their conversations for weeks. So, not only was Scott a cheater, but damn, he was a liar. Blasted (laughs) all over the news. The fucking primetime spot that was sharing with the iraqi war the whole world found out that scott peterson had been having an affair on his pregnant wife who he showed no sign of caring about or pleading for her return after amber fry came forward scott decided that it was time to speak to the media and he wanted to clear the air so that he could keep people looking for Lacey. So he did four interviews and damn, y'all, one was with Diane Sawyer and she made a fool out of him. Okay. This was a really big mistake because, you know, Scott Peterson just never showed grief or acted like he was anticipating Lacey and Connor's return. His, the whole shift of his interviews and focus was just his body language, his attitude, his answers. This was never about Lacey which I think the media tainted and local police fed local reporters the narrative that they wanted ran on the Lacey and Scott Peterson case so that's kind of how the waters got muddy nothing happens after that it's not until April 14th 2003 three and a half months after Lacey and Connor disappear that their remains are found they'd washed up at the San Francisco Bay right off where Scott had been fishing that day First, what washed up was an unidentified torso, then the other remains of a female body came and due to the tidal pool, baby Connor was actually ejected from Lacey's body. They're not sure if he lived in her womb longer and then was born or if he died in her womb and then the tidal pull just pulled him out when her torso separated from the rest of her body. Her torso being separated was not because Lacey was dismembered before she was put in the water. It was actually because after she had died, she'd been wrapped up and weighed down with anchors. And from decomposition of her body around where the anchors were tied, it just kind of severed and separated. And that's what happened with that. Because they'd washed up on San Francisco Bay... Right where Scott Peterson had been fishing that day, he was being hounded. And to be fair, his neighbors were being hounded. Anybody in the area who knew them were being hounded. So he decided to go to San Diego to stay with his family. All police were waiting on was DNA tests to confirm that it was Lacey and Connor and to make the final arrest. Scott and his family had actually planned a golf trip but Scott couldn't make it because on his way there he noticed that he was being tailed and he assumed it was actually the media and he just didn't want the media to hound him or interfere with his family's day together so he began to drive crazy and basically really erratic so that he could try and get away however um that just kind of gave them a reason to pull him over because after an hour of him driving crazy they decided that was enough and so when they did they searched his car and they found in it that for one Scott Peterson was there with his hair dyed blonde he'd bleached it he had his brother's identification four burner cell phones fifteen thousand dollars cash and camping gear On the drive back to Modesto with Scott Peterson in the back of the vehicle, they actually got the results that confirmed the bodies were Connor and Lacey. Investigators say that when they told Scott this, he was in the backseat of the police car on their way back to Modesto, and he had no reaction. Scott claims that he felt really sick, but just compressed his feelings and wasn't going to have an emotional breakdown in front of the police, which again, it's just so weird that Scott's always worried about his emotional demeanor in light of really hard situations. All right. So when he arrived at the police station, there was an insane amount of people outside of there. The media, men, women, they had their children out there. They had signs. They were yelling murderer. I mean, people had it that he did this already. So, basically, the narrative in the media and from the police's mouths as well was that Scott was caught trying to run away to Mexico. Scott's family and himself maintained that he was not trying to flee and their excuses that for one he had a disguise so that he could have a little bit of anonymity in um anonymous anonymity I'm not even gonna edit this I've tried to say this a million times so that he could be more anonymous okay and then for two he had that much money because Jackie his mother accidentally withdrew $10,000 from a joint account they had and didn't want it to be on a temporary hold when she returned it those are some made up quick thinking excuses and I want to know what about the cell phones and why he have his brother's ID April 23rd was Scott's arraignment and damn it was a shit show it was a media circus the prosecution wanted to seek the death penalty and the DA had a meeting with Lacey's family who also agreed on the death penalty Dude, if the in-laws think you did it, you're sitting in old Sparky. I can tell you that. So, the Petersons got a hotshot attorney named Mark Gregos. And uh, let me tell you, it costed the family like a million dollars. And on top of that, they hired their own private investigator to try and get to the bottom of what happened to Lacey. Everyone assumed this was a slam dunk airtight case. Especially since the death penalty was on the table. The reason that I'm obsessed with this case is because actually the whole case is just based on a police theory that Scott killed Lacey December 23rd tied anchors around her and dropped her in the marina Christmas Eve. Alright? So Scott's trial was moved to Redwood Bay which is less than an hour away and let me tell you it was so hard to find a fair jury. They caught a bunch of stout jurors in the process also which a stout juror is someone who's like hey yeah i'm going to get in there i'm going to get on the jury pool and i'm going to nail this guy he's going to fry that's someone who's basically already determined the outcome of the person and if they perpetrated the crime before they even have been to trial so that was like 9 weeks and hundreds of people that they had to go through for the jury pool and The jury was not sequestered, meaning that they didn't have to stay in a hotel with no TVs or phones or anything like that. They were just basically told to use their common sense and not talk about the case. Also, this case had no cameras, which is always a bummer. It's a lot harder to find information on cases when they didn't let cameras into the courtroom sometimes or, you know, credible information. The prosecution's motive was that Scott didn't want to be held down with a baby and a wife anymore. So he killed her and dumped her body in the San Francisco Bay and then proceeded with the rest of his day. They believe that he suffocated her to not cause a large mess and then put her in his truck to then dump her in the bay December 24th the following morning. But a computer analyst expert during trial said that December 24th around 8am someone was looking for a sunflower umbrella stand and women's clothing the prosecution said that Scott looked it up as a way to make it appear as if like he was actually innocent but never bothered to use the timestamp when when he was interrogated which is so annoying okay also Lacey loved sunflowers and she even had a tattoo of one so it's pretty obvious who would be looking up a sunflower um, umbrella but whatever so this changed the whole prosecution's theory this um, computer analyst expert and so what happens when people don't follow evidence but force it into a narrative The other idea, if he hadn't killed her the night of December 23rd and dumped her the morning of December 24th, was that he did this all in a really big hurry during the daylight and just so happened to not get caught. The only problem here is there's no physical evidence and there's no eyewitness testimony to back up the prosecutor's theory. So, see, Scott had made one homemade anchor in which he had with his boat. He poured the remaining cement into a mud hole that was off of his driveway, and they thought that this was a lie. They thought that there's no way he only made one anchor, that he actually made several. These were the anchors he used to tie Lacey down, and that he never poured gravel into his driveway. But they actually checked it out, and the gravel story was true. They said still the prosecution maintained that he'd made at least three more anchors and tied them to Lacey, but there's absolutely no proof of that. It's just an idea that they made up. Like, um, I don't think anyone would just make one. So he for sure did this. So crazy. Okay. So this whole case has been based on the fact that the Modesto police immediately thought Scott was guilty. This is because of his behavior and it's indicated that he fabricated information to make Scott look guilty. Yeah. Crazy. So he actually made it seem that Lacey didn't know Scott had the boat, which in fact as I mentioned at the very beginning of this episode, a woman spotted Lacey at the warehouse with Scott the day before, and you cannot confuse Lacey for Amber Fry. I've heard many people be like, "Well, oh my gosh, maybe they saw Amber Fry, and they thought that was his wife." No, you can't mix them up. Okay, go look at them. Now, there was a lot of problems during trial, like for example, June. 23rd, a juror was dismissed. His name was Justin Faulkner, and it's because he couldn't shut the fuck up. He kept running his mouth about this case in a very passive-aggressive way. Then this dude started to sing to the media about how bad the prosecution's case was and how there's no evidence. He received a ton of hate mail and death threats for the fact that he believed in Scott being innocent yo people are crazy people really hated Scott Scott was whack and they would harp on this all the time but nothing quite resonated with people about how shitty of a person Scott Peterson was until the conversations with Amber Fry were released and played and I'm telling you Scott was laughing and he was giggling while he's talking to Amber Fry on the phone in the middle of trying to find his missing pregnant wife the whole time he's lying and this was such damning evidence for him like for example right before he went to Lacey's New Year's Eve vigil he had a conversation with Amber Fry, pretending that he was in Paris for New Year's Eve with two made-up friends like Franco and Suavio or something like that And he totally fabricated this whole story and trip to her when really he was about to go to a candlelight vigil for his wife, where he was caught in the media smiling and chit chatting, et cetera, et cetera. So he's definitely never been really caring about what's going on. So yeah, he even kept this ruse up with Amber for weeks after Lacey went missing. Now, the only thing that Amber Fry proved, though, was that Scott was a womanizer and a liar, but none of this is physical evidence, okay? Remember, the recordings, although he lied continuously, Amber kept them going, so it was almost like a. she was kind of coaxing him to continue lying, which is actually almost like a setup. It's a trap right okay so the prosecution basically theorized that the cause of death was suffocation not a messy crime easy to clean and that Scott just had to wrap her up in a tar- tarp to transport her and this is why there's no physical evidence but that's just a theory you know what I mean like there's nothing to support that theory either then there is an issue of what's called capsizing that is basically when the damn boat tips over okay. now had Scott pushed or thrown a 150 pound lacy with anchors on her the defense has maintained that they ran several experiments, which the judge deemed inadmissible and that it was impossible f- for this small aluminum fishing boat to have a body like lacy's cast it off the side with anchors and not flip upside down So, so far, nothing's matching with any of the prosecution's theories of how Scott did it or why Scott did it. All they think is that Scott did it. And they actually think that they're proving this beyond a reasonable doubt. I have nothing but doubts. Then this frickin' lady had a cadaver dog who says that traced Lacey all the way to the marina and down the boat dock. Meaning that the dog would have had to smell... Lacey being traveled via vehicle but mind you this dog was not even a legitimate cadaver dog because it failed the damn exam two times and so this was even inadmissible and the jury found it powerful though Like they found this evidence to be very striking and powerful and I find it to be completely weak. The major coincidence that was damning is that Lacey and Connor washed up where Scott Peterson had been fishing. Now there's been a few rumors and speculation. Oh my gosh, it was a setup. Of course they put her there because they knew he was going to go fishing. That seems extremely crazy to me one mistake was that they totally disregarded all witnesses that saw Lacey walking the dog because some people contradicted each other. The defense attorney decided not to bring in eyewitnesses of Lacey walking and a juror said she was actually waiting for some sort of eyewitness. I think that was a really big mistake on the defense's side. Scott was ultimately charged and given the death penalty for the murder of Lacey and Connor Peterson he had served has been serving his time in San Quentin where he actually recently got his death penalty sentence overturned and you know rightfully so rightfully so I think Scott is one of the most hated men in America I think that he's a total tool but I don't know if he killed Lacey Peterson And unfortunately, if he did, I don't think they have the right evidence to have, you know, proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that he did this. Let me know what you guys think about the Scott and Lacey Peterson case and if you remember following it and what you thought about him. I think he's a total, just gross selfish, self-centered. I don't think that he cared that they disappeared, but not loving somebody and not caring that they disappeared is a whole lot different than killing them and dumping them in the San Francisco Bay. All right, guys. Hey, don't forget to go check out Storytime Slayer. That's on Facebook and then story underscore time underscore Slayer on Instagram. You can also email me at Pods at gmail.com And I look forward to next week. Bye, guys.